Hello, Cedarville. How can the civil, ritual, and communal law of a nation that existed 3,000 years ago be stimulating and applicable to today? That was the question Dr. Chris Miller, Senior Professor of Biblical Studies, had when he was first challenged to take a class on the book of Leviticus. Listen as he shares about the Old Testament literature course, a favorite among students. Now here's your host, Mark Weinstein. Thank you, Sarah, for that introduction. I am Mark Weinstein, and welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. My guest today should be well-known to any Cedarville student, at least since 1991, because students would have taken his Old Testament class as part of the Bible minor. I'm talking about Dr. Chris Miller, perhaps one of the most beloved faculty members at Cedarville, and a person who has left an indelible mark on the lives of students and the culture at Cedarville University. Welcome to the program, Chris. Thank you, Mark. It's good to be here, and uh, thanks for the introduction. Uh, although I think if any, any if any of that's true, it's probably only by God's grace. So thank him. Yes, sir. So for further introduction purposes, Dr. Miller is the Senior Professor of Biblical Studies at Cedarville, and believe it or not, he's been teaching college students for the past 40 years, 30 at Cedarville. Chris and Pam are the parents of three adult children, Melinda, Timothy, and Christina, and all three are Cedarville grads. So as we get this uh, podcast rolling, Chris, the fact that you studied the Bible and theology makes me believe that you've been walking with Jesus for quite a long time. Can you share with us your story that brought you to faith in Jesus? Oh, I would love to, because that takes me back to my father— um, who was dramatically saved when he was about the age of 42 and I was about six years old. He began to read to me Bible stories every night. And through the course of six months, uh, being an adoring son <clears throat> and who idolized his father, I wanted to trust Jesus just like my dad did. I figured it was good enough for my dad, it was good enough for me. And so I came to faith at an early age and had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home with a mom and dad who loved each other and loved us and uh, and taught us well. And dad really, really loved Bible study. Our house was always filled with visiting conference speakers and Bible teachers. And just, mm. I didn't realize it at the time, but it, it ultimately had an effect on me so that when it came time for me to make a life decision, it was pretty easy that, that the Bible was so important to my dad that I wanted to be able to invest my life in it and in spreading the fame of Jesus through a good Bible teaching. Where where did you grow up, and what did your dad do for a living? My dad was just like uh, Matthew. He was a tax collector. Uh, he worked for the Internal Revenue Service <laughs> for for thirty years, and I grew up on the east side of Indianapolis, uh, and went to a, a good church there. That's that's great. Thanks for sharing. Um, for many people, some who may be listening to the podcast today, they they find it difficult to slow down and spend quality time with Jesus. Uh, you you kind of just answered it to a degree, but how did you learn the discipline of Bible reading, study, and prayer? Yeah, good question. You know, uh, I don't think I did learn that very early on in my in my high school, junior high and high school career, growing up, uh, going to a youth group. Uh, I loved God. I, I knew that He existed, but I, I didn't, I don't think I was able to integrate Him deeply into my life. And so, I knew that before I started a career, that I just, there was a void there. I needed to know more about him. So I did what I thought was taking a year off 
from my future college career and went to study just for one year at Word of Life Bible Institute. And during that year, uh, God just turned my heart around. And uh, one one of the funny stories was one of the electives they offered was on the book of Leviticus. And I thought it was a joke. I thought, who in the in their right mind would want to study Leviticus? I thought, I'm going to call their bluff. I'm going to I'm going to take this course. And after about two weeks, I was just so uh, kind of embarrassed and humbled because the professor made that book come alive and it was so relevant and was so good. And I thought, man, if Leviticus is this good, what about the other 65 books? Yeah. And that's where God just kind of turned my heart and, and helped me realize this this is where I want to spend more and more and more time. Yeah. Even if I don't do it as a career, I, I just need to know this word because I got a taste of it and I, I wanted more. So was it at Word of Life that uh, the Old Testament really became your passion? Because that's what you're—that's one of the things you're known for at Cedarville is the Old Testament lit class. Is that where it uh, first developed? I, I think it is. And from that particular uh, fellow who taught us the book of Leviticus, and I went on to do uh, a doctorate at Dallas Seminary in the same program he was in. And it actually was just called Bible Exposition, so Old or New Testament. I love both equally well. I often joke with my colleagues who are very, very good at New Testament. I say, look, anybody can teach New Testament, but it takes a real teacher to do old. Uh, It's not true. It's just that they had people to teach new, and so I started uh, getting in getting those Old Testament classes and, and love whichever Testament you put me in, I'm equally happy. Yeah, yeah. So as we talked uh, before we started recording this uh, podcast, that at the core of the Cedarville Stories podcast is our desire to share Cedarville stories for God's glory. How do you, how do you hope or maybe believe that your work and your life is bringing God glory right now? I, I really hope that it's... Uh, doing for other people what those teachers did for me and enabling them to get past their misconceptions about the Old Testament or even the New, about a book that is outdated or or a book that totally lives up to the doctrine of inspiration. That if God wrote it and God knows how to use language, that it's probably far better and far more relevant than you think it is. And so yeah. to help people get over that hump and to, and to give them a sweet taste of what the scriptures, and especially Leviticus or Deuteronomy, are all about, so that they will never be the same, so that they say, wow, this is, I'm humbled, this is far more than I expected, and God really is amazing, and the book is amazing, and so what else is more important than this? Yeah. You know, as I think about going forward, in a recent podcast, I had um, Matt Dearden on as a guest. Matt's the director of undergrad admissions at Cedarville, and he specifically cited one of your courses that he took early on in his tenure that was transformational in his life. Do you see uh, the students of today soaking up your Old Testament courses and obviously having an impact? Or how are the students of today compared to even when you were a student? Yeah, that's a good question, because a lot of people feel like, oh, the the more we get into the 21st century, the less committed students are. Uh, and and I, I guess I now can say I've had 40 years of working with Bible students and, and undergrad students. Uh, and I, I got to say, 
No, I, I feel like students today are just as excited about the scriptures as they ever were. One of the reasons I came to Cedarville because you know some people feel like you have to go to a seminary or a Bible college, but I have found such a hunger for the Lord at Cedarville with our students who want to learn all about his world in all the different majors, yet they have this one common love for God, for his word, for missions, for impacting their world for Christ, uh, that I'm I'm still amazed and delighted. I, it, One of these days when God calls me to retire, it will not be because I think the students are no longer interested, uh, mm. unless something deeply changes between now and then, because at this point, uh, I find the same thing. One of my one of my dear, uh, I actually should call him a colleague now, uh, Josh Taylor, uh, a recent Cedarville grad, is now serving as the youth pastor at Grace, where I'm an elder. And uh, when he, in his interview, he said to me, yeah, you know, one of the courses that changed my life was uh, was going through Old Testament, where I really got a, a, began to see what God had there. And he was a pastor's kid. And Josh Taylor is just an amazing young man, far more maturity, far beyond his years. And one of the things that I loved about that was that he knew the Bible, and yet we were able to take him to even a new place, a deeper appreciation. Um, and so uh, when, if a student says, I've been to Christian high school, I don't know if I need that. Those are the people I love most. Like, come on, let us show you something here. Maybe I'll bet you haven't seen before. Wow. That's 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 great. Uh, it's, it's great to hear the stories. I'm, I'm sure you're encouraged when you hear uh, former students talking about, you know, how you've— uh, played a role in their spiritual development. And, and that leads me to my next question. Um, obviously, as a faculty, me- faculty member, you're probably expected to inspire students and motivate students. But I, I want to flip the question. Do you recall any student or a couple of students who have inspired you, whether professionally, personally, or spiritually? Oh my goodness! Happens every day. <laughs> it, <laughs> it really does. As, as I grade homework for students in my class on the prophets i i look at them and i think wow i i they're far ahead of me when i was 21 years old uh and and yeah i get i think that's one of the inspiring things that that keeps me going um uh, and sometimes i'll take the answers from their homework and put them in the lectures for the day <laughs> and say this student said it better than i could look at this and it's one it's one of the, the delights that i have yeah yeah so I'm inspiring. I'm. I, I hope that I'm a good teacher, but it's amazing how much I learn from from them as well. Yeah. So as one of the longest tenured faculty members in the School of Biblical Studies, is that even possible to say that about you? But I think it's true. Um, mm-hmm. Have you, um, with with the influx of new colleagues that you you teach with, have you um, taken that opportunity or taken an opportunity to? Um, come alongside them, serve in some kind of mentoring role. Um, how have you helped the, the younger faculty make their way here at Cedarville? Yeah, good question. I, I feel obligation to do that. You, you're right. I am one of the oldest. There's one more senior professor than I. That's Dan Estes by a couple of years. But we have uh, seen it all academically and with our colleagues. And I have a, such a sweet set of colleagues that um, – I'm in, in intentionally, perhaps informally, mentoring because I can just tell that they're listening when when we talk, and they're such wise younger men that they are interested in the stories 
that Dan Estes and I have to tell and the things we've learned and perspective we have, which really encourages me. Uh, I work with several of them from the, they're my colleagues here, but they're always asking, how do you teach this? And how do you get this point across? And how much information should I put in my New Testament class or my Old Testament class? And what's your philosophy about music in the classroom? And how do you test? And so, yeah, I, I love doing that kind of thing because I learned a lot of those lessons the hard way. And so if I can pass them on more efficiently to my right. younger colleagues who want to know, well, that's a win for everybody. Yeah, it is. And in a minute, I want to transition to a more focus on your OT Lit class. But I'm interested in, in knowing now, though, is from when you started teaching 40 years ago, 30 years at Cedarville, you know, how has your teaching style and method changed? Yeah, another another good question. And I think the answer to that, and this is the one that I try to pass on to my colleagues, is that if my teaching morphed, it morphed from being less like other people to being more like mine. And I think any good teacher, it's hard to evaluate a good teacher because a good teacher is someone who works within his own personality and his own uh, style to develop that. And And I don't ever try to make anyone be like me and I don't try to be like anybody else. I want to work with them and say, uh, Jeremy Kimball, um, what's the what's the best teacher you can be given your style, your heartbeat, your passions, and and working with them uh, along those lines. I mean, I have lots of tips and techniques, and I show them how I do things. But uh, I, I don't want to make clones. I want them to let their personality shine, so it's natural and credible. Because I think that's what people are looking for. They they're not looking for a show. They're looking for a person, incarnationally to teach them. And so that only works when it's authentic and it's you, you teaching them. Um, and so as I look around my colleagues, I have 20 different styles and that's great. That's good variety. Uh, people are different, but I want them to be themselves in the classroom. So you, you bring up a good point. You're talking about how you're helping your colleagues teach, but I'm curious, um, you mentioned that uh, you've had to learn the hard way many ways, many mm -hmm. times. Mm -hmm. But but obviously there was somebody uh, that you were following or someone who was, who was building into your life. Who was that faculty member or leader who was helping you when you were first starting to uh, teach here at Cedarville? Oh, boy. Uh, let me look back. Dan Estes has always been there. Um <laughs> <laughs> Boy, uh, and, and and you you really can't find a much better teacher than Dan Estes. Now, my style is different from his, but I've learned so much from Dan. And one of the things that Dan has always communicated to us, and we've passed on, has sort of become Cedarville Bible lore, and that's this. Try to improve your course 10% a year. Now, what that does is it puts you at ease where you realize, oh, I don't have to make this thing perfect. I just have to improve 10% a year. But it also tells you, you've got to keep going. You're never done. Right. And and Dan has modeled that, and his course gets a little better and a little better and a little better every year. And so students are blessed by his teaching. And I try to do the same thing. I don't I don't want to do the same lecture I did ten years ago. I want to make it better and add more to it, or make 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 the technique or the illustrations better um, a little bit. So I, I I never every time I get ready to teach a semester, I try to make that ten percent. I don't know if I always make it, but uh, that's. That's been one of the most uh, trustworthy rules I think I've found from Dan. That's a good rule. And as a result of you uh, always trying to improve the course for the sake of the students, 
um, one development over the past several years here at Cedarville is, is now that uh, we're offering your Old Testament lit class online for free to anyone who wants to learn from you. And within the past, within the what past year or so, you've been working with the Association of Christian Schools International to make the OT class available for continuing education. I think that's a great, great thing. What goes through your mind when you realize that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people not connected with Cedarville University who are learning the Old Testament from you? Uh, three, three things, I think, at least. Number one, it's very humbling uh, to think that. Uh, the Lord would allow me to do that. And uh, yeah. <clears throat> hoping that my dad, who was always such a wonderful mm. student of the Bible, is pleased by that because I stand on his shoulders. Uh, number two, I mm. uh, want to thank Dr. White because it's all his fault. It's all his fault. He was the one who came up with the idea. <laughs> and he said, I think we should tape these classes. And I said, Dr. White, I think that's a bad idea. Now, he's the president, so I didn't say it to him exactly those terms, but that's what I thought, and I kind of communicated that to him. He said, no, I think we should do this. And I said, well, okay, let's give it a shot. And, and uh, man, did, was he right. It, it just worked out so well because they did it right. Uh, he had some uh, professional team from school come in and, and video the classes, and so then they put the, uh, the PowerPoints, included them, and then hand a little bit to the professor because you like to see the teacher as well. But then they also translated those, put uh, put captions on them uh, so that they can be captioned with almost any language around. Uh, and so it's 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 really sweet to be able to, to do that. And the third thing, I think, is it, it, it encourages me just a little bit because I never look at that and think, oh, I wonder how much money we could make on that or I wonder why we're giving that away. I'm just so happy that we are able with the technology to bless anyone who wants to see this. Uh, and, and it makes me feel fulfilled that a lifetime of teaching and study and preparation and work in a master's degree and a bachelor's degree and a doctoral degree, that finally towards the end of my career here, I could take that and just share it freely with others. Paul says in Ephesians that yeah. I let him who stole steal no more, but let him work with his hands that he might have something to give to those who need. And I feel like that's true, not just with monetary things, but even in our academic world, that we should work hard so that we might have something to give to others. And, and I'm so pleased that's happened. Um, ACSI is a wonderful organization. And I don't know uh, the numbers. I can't repeat them for you offhand. But when they told me we have we affect 800,000 students around the world, we have 10,000 wow. teachers around the world. And these are all international schools where maybe they wouldn't have access to these things. To be able to provide college-level curriculum for anyone, and that, that happens not just for those teachers who want to teach the Old Testament to kind of hand them this ready-made uh, course, but also to people who want to do Bible studies and have women's Bible studies and, and senior saints who want to take a course and individuals who want edification, and we've had so much feedback from all around the world of people who have edified, been edified by it and used it in different ways that it's it's deeply, deeply gratifying. And I feel like, okay, I guess I can retire now because I'll, maybe I'll live on in those videos for a while. <laughs> well, I think you will live on for quite some time in the videos, but uh, I want to stay here for just a little bit because two things that hit me when you were speaking. One, I could see the... Um, 
emotion in your face when you talked about being humble and something that the Lord would use you mm. to do, but then mm. how it, it would please your dad. Is your dad still living? My dad is living in heaven. Uh, he passed away okay. a couple of years ago at the age of 98. Oh. And we had the privilege of, uh, he, dad, dad was sharp up until the last six months. And then it, it fell to me and my wife to care for him. And it was such a privilege to be able to do that. Uh, with him to be able to care for him the same way he did for me uh, when I couldn't care for myself. And and what a sweet time that was the Lord gave us. So yeah, uh, to be able to give back to him. And uh, yeah, it's all because of, I mean, humanly speaking, so much uh, is, is due to what my dad, my dad's influence in my life. Yeah, that's a great, uh, it's a great legacy that your dad left for you, and now you get to share that and pass it on to others as well. Not just your Cedarville students, but people across the world. So, uh, when when um, I guess Dr. White came to you and, and said we you, we should record these, I, it was my impression that you were already recording your your class lectures. But um, what was the concern in your mind that uh, you thought it was a bad idea? Um, uh, I, I was recording my class lectures. I wouldn't. I didn't have myself on there. Uh, I would just actually record the the audio and the video of the powerpoints for my students who missed a class, so they could make it up. Uh, but I don't know. I, I guess I just didn't want to. Wasn't sure if I would be the. Uh, I didn't want to. I wasn't sure I wanted to be the face of the program. And besides that, up until this point, it was all an in-house kind of thing. So these lectures I would record would would be for the benefit of my students and nobody else. Letting it out into the wild on the internet, where anybody in Bangladesh could see it and critique it, that, that made me just a little bit nervous. And I suppose there are probably people out there who don't agree and who don't like it. But the, the positive feedback we've heard has been so uh, so great and so numerous that it, I'm I'm so glad we did it because it feels like it's meeting a need for for people who uh, are looking for some good Bible teaching. How long has that uh, been offered to people online? You know what? I think it's probably been about two years now. I think we did that in the spring of 19. So uh, probably a year. it's been out there for a year and a half, going on two years. Okay. And are there any future uh, recordings scheduled, or are you just going with what you've already recorded? You know, the plan was to finish the whole Bible minor. So uh, we have done, uh, Jeremy Kimball has done Theology 1 and Theology 2, which are out on our website at this point. And, and we hope uh, this the launch with ACSI is actually happening in the 1st of March, and it will go live there. And our hope is if that goes well, then we'll t uh, take Dr. Kimball's Theology 1 and 2 and put them out there as well. And then eventually we would like to get a New Testament recorded, and then maybe even Bible and the Gospel. So that would be our five Bible minor courses. But some of them are not quite as easy to put out there as Old and New Testament, because those are large lecture-based courses. And that, that video is better than a, than a Q&A. Right, and so we'll we'll see how that goes, but that's that's kind of our goal. We're we're really just on the leading edge here. Doctor White is uh, because the the question was, well, what are we going to do with this? What are people going to do with it? And the answer was, well, we're not sure. But if we put it out there, I bet people will find out how to use it, and it's it's right. taken off. So we're just kind of taking it one step at a time. I can't think of a better uh, program or or courses to put out there for free than our Bible courses, and whether it's your, you teaching it or J Jeremy or whomever. Um, because, you know, why, why keep it all to ourselves? Let's, let's share it to, to the world. And I, I just uh, commend you for being willing to do that. Uh, it's a great thing. You probably 
alluded to this. Can I, can I just put, interrupt yeah. you for a second, Mark, and sure. say I want to say amen to that? And again, uh, thank, thank you to Dr. White, because that was his philosophy of, uh, again, most most business people would say, oh, how could we make money on this? Or how could we? And his his concern was, no, let's give it away for free. You, you've been given freely. Let's give it away for free. And and so far, we haven't had anybody say, hey, I'm not going to go there to see because I've ever heard it all. Right. It typically works no. the other way. That's, <laughs> People that's, are more interested. That, that's right. And, and, and that that bears out in our student enrollment numbers. If you want to take it to that extreme. You know, we haven't lost necessarily students because of your OT lit class being online for free. Uh, enrollments continue to climb and they probably want to learn more from you. So I think it's a, it's a great, um, great idea. And uh, I'm so glad that we're doing it. So you mentioned a little bit ago about what you see happening from the, the class. Do you have any other thoughts of how you really hope this BioMinor curriculum that's online will really impact the world? That's a, that's a good question. I, I think the, ans- the quickest answer would be this, and I, I hope this doesn't sound, uh, I don't want to sound arrogant, but sometimes I will have, over the 40 years, have had students who come from Christian schools or who have a, a good church background, and, and they're not excited to learn Old Testament because they feel like they know it all. And again, as I said before, that's that. those are the people I like to get in here and say, I bet you haven't heard this, right? Because the power from the class comes from not just uh, one story, but watching the whole Old Testament fit together with the new. And so you start to put it together and you realize this is far bigger than just the sum of its parts. The way all these books work together and the masterful storyline that God has where it doesn't skip a beat from one book to the next, to the next, to the next, begin to realize this could only happen if it were a God thing. There was an obviously a mastermind, capital A author, the Holy Spirit, who put this all together, and you can't duplicate this. One of the strongest, one of the strongest proofs for the inerrancy of scripture is just to teach it and for people to see what it is. And then you realize, wow, that, that's not a compilation of a bunch of men. That is the, the power of, of uh, God putting it together. So I, I hope that that vision is, is what comes across as individuals watch or as groups watch. And uh, we've done some research and we've found out how people are using this. And it's just, I mean, you name it, people are doing it that way. Women's Bible studies. We've had a, several pastors who said, "Yeah, I'm using this. I'm preaching this series in my in my in my church." Others who said, "We, we have 35 people getting together on Wednesday nights to view a video, and then they'll go home and watch a video, and then they'll come back the next week and view a video, and we will discuss it." Uh, so, uh, in any way people can get excited and see the glory and the majesty of of the Word and the God who wrote it. Um, is what's really exciting to us. Yeah, praise God. That's uh, that's great. And uh, we'll see how the Lord continues to use it and bless it uh, going forward. Um, as we move toward the end of the podcast, um, I have a few questions that I want to ask you. First, Chris, when uh, you're not preparing to teach class, I understand you enjoy backpacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you sh- Can you share with us some of your favorite places where you've backpacked? Hiked. Oh my goodness! Yeah, uh, what Scott got started about twenty years ago. One of my good friends, Dr. Phil Bassett, used to teach education here. Said, "Let's hike the Appalachian Trail," and so we did. Now we didn't do the whole thing, but I think we hiked about three hundred miles of it, which was an awful lot of fun. But it's kind of tame compared to out west. So I've hiked behind the Tetons in uh, Wyoming, and uh, with my daughter, 
my son and I have hiked the Pacific Crest Trail through Northern California, and that's a, an astounding, beautiful, scary, and slightly dangerous place in some ways. Uh, those are probably my my top ones, and uh, that's that's when I feel most at home. Give me one of my kids taking a backpacking trip. That's just an awful lot of fun. How long how long are these trips typically? Uh, typically, we'll we'll go out for four or five days at a time because that's about as much food as you can carry. Uh, and then, so sometimes we'll do uh, a week or two. Um, you know, we'll go out for five days, come back, restock, and go back out another five days. And uh, just just can't uh, can't get enough of that. And those are some of the best family family memories we've ever made and still make. And looking forward to making some of them with grandchildren one of these days. Yeah, I'm interested in hearing one of those stories or lessons that you've learned. Uh, can you share something? Oh man, there was the, there was a night the bear came into camp. Um, <laughs> this was this was in New York in the Adirondacks, and uh, we, it was t- it was cold and it was rainy. And so you know you're supposed to take your food and uh, and put it up in the air so a bear can't get to it. But but we just sort of did a you know it was rainy, so we just put it up there. Well, about three o'clock in the middle of the night, we heard this bear outside, and it took him about two seconds to get that food down ripped open the bag and started chomping at it and uh, i was just scared for my life my friend phil was scared for his life my son who was 15 at the time slept through the entire thing i'm huddled over my son with a with a knife thinking if the bear comes in i'm going to protect my son my friend phil was the same way as it turned out the, the bear ate all the coffee creamer and some of the chicken and left and we had nothing to worry about and my son had the right perspective but we had to hike out 11 miles the next day without any food at all. And uh, we were pretty hungry by the time we got to the end of it. But at least it was our bear story. Wow, that's a bear story. <laughs> I, that, that, that would be a little too close for me to be uh, that close to a bear. Yeah, yeah, it was for us too. Yeah, I bet. Chris, uh, when you look back on your career at Cedarville, and I'm not suggesting that you plan on retiring anytime soon. I hope you don't. How do you hope to be re- to be remembered by students and colleagues? I hope in some ways not to be remembered at all, but I hope that there's a legacy of people who are so passionate about the scriptures that they just think about them all the time and they wear them, like uh, Deuteronomy says, between their eyes and they view everything through scripture and they pass it on and they teach others also. Because really, I'm just a link in that chain. My my dad passed it on to me and my professors passed it on to me. And, and I just want to be one of those links that faithfully passes it on to the next generation so that they're excited about the gift they've received and um, whether they remember the link in the chain where it came from doesn't really matter as long as they're excited about passing it on to somebody else. I have a feeling that you will always be remembered by your students and your colleagues. So that that will always be the case. But I think when we think of Chris Miller, um, we're going to think of Jesus because that's what you pointed everyone toward. And so that's a great legacy as well. So thank you. Yeah, that that would be a testament to, to God's grace for all of us, wouldn't it? Absolutely. So my last question as we we end the podcast and. What is the Lord teaching you right now? Is uh, we live in a crazy world right now? Things are upside down. Tension is high, but the the word of truth remains steadfast and and the same. So, what are you? What's the Lord teaching you as you study His Word? One of the most surprising blessings I've had over the last couple of years was a publishing house asked me to write a commentary on Matthew. So, 
I've had the book of Matthew in my head. There are much worse New Testament books for an Old Testament guy to write on than Matthew. And and one of the things that has just captured me has been the stories of the, the disciples in a boat uh, the first time in Matthew chapter 8 where they're sinking and after Jesus rescues them, they say, what sort of man is this? And then the second time in Matthew 14, where they're again in a storm and Jesus shows up walking on the water and Peter says, can I, uh, can I come to you? And, and he does. And, uh, and he begins to sink when he puts his eyes on the waves and the wind, it says. And, and my screensaver on my computer now is that picture of Peter sinking, but looking to Jesus because the emphasis, of course, was when he took his eyes off of Jesus and looked at the wind and the waves, he started to sink. And the whole goal of Peter's discipleship as a follower was to keep his eyes steadfastly focused on the promises and the person of Jesus. And I find that in any kind of temptation in my own life, whether it's a temptation of procrastination or fear or whatever, to remind myself, you know what, you're probably looking at the wind and the waves here, and you need to be looking at the one who's standing and uh, who's called you to this place. So I I think that's one of the sweetest lessons I've learned, and and I love that uh, religious art, that picture of Jesus standing on the the water. And uh, a good reminder for me, keeping my eyes right on the promise keeper and forgetting about all the other things you could be afraid of. Uh, That's a great... uh... Great encouragement, great uh, word picture of looking unto Jesus mm-hmm. um, as we navigate our, our world, as we navigate each day, always keep our minds and focus on, on Jesus. Dr. Miller, thank you for uh, the great uh, conversation we had. I really enjoyed it. You uh, bring a lot of energy uh, to the classroom, I know, and uh, you, you're just a great colleague, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Mark, it's good to be on the same team. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by this conversation, like I was, please share this episode with a friend. If you know of an awesome Cedarville story, share it with us. We would love to showcase how God is at work in the Cedarville family. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another Cedarville story for God's glory.